Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also then keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now immediately, even just in the way that final verse ends, we can see that the context of this text is actually about community life. It's actually about how we are becoming one. And and this, in the letter of Galatians, we will see, is Paul's frustration that he feels like he's back at the drawing board until Christ is formed in them. Meaning until they become this one community formed in Christ Jesus. And until then, until we surrender our lives, and this is the symbol of baptism today, that, that we are fully submerging, like jumping in. You know when, oh, actually don't do this, young people, but... Someone I knew once did a cliff jump into water. And isn't it a scary feeling when you're on the edge? (laughs) Particularly if you did the mistake of letting others go first. But there is this wonderful and scary moment where you leap. And now you're out there. And then you plunge And you don't just dip, you plunge, Adrian, down to the very depths. And in baptism, you plunge down. And that that leap is that letting go of all the past, all your past life, which is centred around this selfish pursuit that only ends in hurting yourself and others. And you fully surrender you crucify this thing called the flesh. You, you do what Jesus has already done in reality on the cross. You make a symbol and a recognition and you say, I'm letting go and you've got all of me, God, and I am crucified with Him. And then you'll come up out, revived, renewed, not in the power of your own striving, but by now the power of the Spirit. And that's what you're going to do today which is exciting. That's what many people have done today. And that's what we can do in our hearts today as we come around this text. Thank you very much. You have set a beautiful atmosphere, but it's too nice. And I'll waffle for too long if we have that going. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. So, if we, if we look at this text in Galatians, this is what we've been doing. We've been going through the book of Galatians and looking at this spirit of life. What we will see again and again and again is the core issue of the church, of, of the text, is not identifying how people go to heaven. Now, in the 17th century, there was some, no, earlier, sorry, I'm getting my dates wonderfully mixed up today. Uh, there were some wonderful challenges happening within the church and things that were happening that kind of felt like we're moving away from this faith in Christ-led life to now adding a lot of things that we have to do. And so we had what was called the Reformation and it kind of broke out. And and one of the things, the text that really helped guide this was in Galatians and Romans, that we are indeed justified by faith. 
It's not by works. Now, that's true, 100%. But the challenge is, is if that's how we see the context of this text, then what we think Paul is answering here is how someone goes to heaven. But it's not. The core context of this text, the core problem of this text was disunity. It was factions and fighting. And what they were fighting about was not how someone gets saved, but what it means to be God's people. Faith in Jesus, that's the beginning, no doubt. So Paul establishes this church in a gospel that they are justified, meaning they have been put in the right and recognised as right because of their faith in Jesus. It's like if you came home and you didn't, sorry, you came to someone's home, so... Addie decides she wants to be a part of our family. Yes, it's good. I would warn you. Your family's fantastic. I'd stick with them. We're good, but they're better. No, just joking. But Addie comes and decides she wants to be a part of this family. And she says, I'm a part of this family. I've decided. And we say that's a lovely idea. But unfortunately, you can't be a part of this family. Now, we would never do that. But one day, Harlan comes home with Addie who is a part of this family, and says, Addie is now a part of this crew. And because of the selfless love of my daughter, I as father love what she's done and believe in what she's done so much, I say, yes, this girl is justified. She's part of the family. Jesus came home with you. You were far from God, far from being his people. Everything we do still sometimes looks like we're far from being his people. But... Nonetheless, when we put our faith in Christ, he came home and said, Father, they are justified. They are part of this family. And this is the good news. It's very good news. Because nothing you can do can actually bridge the separating gap of how far we had drifted from God. But through Christ Jesus, we are now one family in Christ. It's really good news. But they had come out of a history I've always been God's people. Jews weren't trying to work out how to be God's people. They were just God's people. But what had made them God's people had come with all these things that helped signify that as a reality in their life. And because they were still waiting for Messiah Jesus to come and make this perfect, God had given them the law to live by, to help them guide. It was not meant to be the the final answer. It created a lot of problems because they kept realising how far they were actually from being God's people. But nonetheless, this was a part of their life. So Paul has come with this good news that everyone who believes in Jesus is part of the family. And now these other people have come in with a different gospel saying, it's really good that you have faith in Jesus. Well done. But you've also got to get circumcised. Ouch. And there's a bunch of Torah things you've got to follow because that's what really makes the people of God. And so Paul writes this very delicately placed kind and warm letter called the the letter to the Galatians. It's actually not. It's very angry and filled with, you foolish Galatians, what are you doing? He's come in and seen that they are trying to strive for these markers that, that would somehow help them to fit in and feel like they belong. And in that, they are doing the very thing, what they're trying to build, these distinct markers of what it means to be a follower of God is causing them to lose the very thing which is the distinct marker, which is love. They're fighting one another. I'm more pure than you. 
I'm more holy than you. No, that's not what you do. And this is because, again, these other, these other idiots have come in and started sharing this wrong gospel. But also because even the Apostle Peter was a bit confused in a moment where he's sitting down with the Gentiles and they're, they're doing this and Jews don't normally do this. And then suddenly the Jews come and he goes, oh, sorry, guys, I can't sit with you today because the Jews are here. That's creating confusion. They're confused. They're following this gospel that Paul calls a no gospel. He writes to them because many Gentile Christians are believing this false gospel. They're taking the lead, again, from these leaders that have come into the church. And though it is by faith, they now think that maybe they need to follow such things as Torah and circumcision in order to be the true people of God. They're talking about the way of the faith plus works, which is the flesh. So is it that or is it, as Paul said, faith alone, surrendering to the Spirit's leading so that we could fulfill the true law of Christ, which is love? Now, why are they doing this? Well, there's, there's a couple of things going on for this, this people. When we read the Bible, we have to remember that Paul didn't wake up in the morning and say, Dear Mr. Govia, I have a letter for you. No, he wrote to a very unique and real context within the situation. Okay? So what is going on for these people? Why are they doing this? Well, some people think that it's partly out of their own culture, of the Greco-Roman culture, had this big thing of status. You ever been in an organisation, most of you in the public servant space, where status matters? What level are you today? What's your security level? Who can you talk to and not talk to? We love status, don't we? Okay? And so they're thinking, these Jews, they, they've been following, we, we love God, we love this one God, we're coming, and, and they've been doing this for thousands of years. How have they done it? That's cool. I want to be like that. That's what, what some people think was happening. On, happening. The, other, the other thing that probably is happening is that these are Gentiles, okay? And they're part of a Greco-Roman culture. And so in Greco-Roman culture, you didn't have one God. You had many gods. And to be faithful, not just in your own personal life, but faithful to the empire, it is your civic responsibility to go to those imperial cults, go to those temples and worship those gods because if you don't, that's why everything's wrong is happening. So if we're going to blame someone when something falls out of the sky and crushes one of our members, it's because someone wasn't worshipping the gods. Now, if you were a Jew, you could kind of get away with it. Because they recognize that you serve the one God, you'd always serve the one God. We've come in, we've taken over your society, but we will allow you to continue in your religion. But now there's this thing called the way, the way of Jesus. And people are leaving their old religion to follow this new religion. And it is creating problems, it's creating persecution. And you'll read through Galatians where Paul is saying these people are trying to avoid persecution. They're not really about you being at peace. They're really about avoiding trouble. And he said, but me, not me. That's why I'm still persecuted. That's why I'm still thrown out everywhere I go because I am preaching the true way. So Paul is quick to remind them. 
This is not good news. Say bad news. This is not the real gospel. Those previous markers of the flesh and the practicing the law were placeholders until God God brought about the redemption of his people and indeed the whole world through faith in the Messiah Jesus. This is the true goodness for the Jews, the Gentiles alike. That Torah cannot accomplish anything in God's picture of setting the whole creation right. What is really bringing about God's redemptive plan in us as individuals and us as a community and eventually the whole creation is faith outworked through sacrificial love. So these markers of Torah and all these things, they, they don't mean anything anymore. They can't do what they were never meant to do. It's not that they failed, they did their job. But now they're finished. And now the only thing Paul says in Galatians 5... Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters? Ready? Faith working through love. By drifting from the pure gospel like yeast in dough, the false way is permeating through this community. It is not only just giving them false hope, it is tearing this community apart. There are factions forming and people arguing about what's the right way to do these things. By accepting this false gospel of faith plus works, they are not only embracing what is insufficient and what will cut them off from Jesus, in fact, they are embracing a way that is causing them to fail in their vocation of being the church of Jesus, who brings the message of faith outworked in love. In their attempt to argue what defines them as God's people, they look like, less like the one Christ-centered people they are called to be. And so we get this key verse in 419 where if you're wondering what's, what's he really trying to do in this letter and a lot of his letters, we see it. He says, my children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. God does not want to return to a half-baked cake. He's not coming back for a mostly formed church. He is coming back for a Christ-centered, Christ-formed, Christ-freed, Christ-redeemed, Christ-outworking church. And what is what? how can we know that that is at work if we knew that the Jews were the Jews because they were going to temple and they were doing Torah and they were getting circumcised at birth and they were doing all these things? How will they know that we are the true disciples? They will measure us by love. They will measure us by the very act, the very symbol that marked the launch of this new way. If I was starting a religion, which I won't, by the way, okay, we're not a cult, we're all good. But if I was, it would not begin with me allowing myself to be killed, just so you know. That's how he started this thing. He showed the fullness of love, the fullness of sacrificial love. And because he did not stay dead, because he is Christ, he was redeemed, he was resurrected, and now all are being resurrected through him and all who outwork this gospel are seeing that redemption come out. 
of what we do. The goal is a one people brought together in Christ, perfected as they follow in his sacrificial examples of love. Do you know that that screen is down? So I have no idea how long I've got left, which is very dangerous. I've got seven minutes. You watch. Are you ready? That's enough waffling about context. Let's just get to the point, Jimmy. Okay. So, they are not under Torah, which Paul describes in terms of slavery, putting themselves back under this thing that is not meant to be happening for them. They are free from all that. So, 5-1, Christ has liberated us to be free. Yay. It was very, very energetic of you all. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. They are set free in Christ to fulfill their calling of freely loving and serving one another. So, for though you were called in 13 to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, as an opportunity to be selfish again, to go back to the law, to go back to all these things. No, rather serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Back to context. But if you keep doing what you're doing, Not only will you not fulfill the great redemptive call that is on you as a church, you will literally destroy one another. They are a fiery Middle Eastern community that are fighting and that is going to lead to increasing violence until they are completely destroyed. It is the saddest thing when you see a church split and it's completely destroyed. And what is it often over? It's theology. How we are the real people of God or they are the real people of God. And we put preference over purpose. We prefer to do church this way or this way, but we lose sight of the purpose of the church, which is not to be this divisive, separating thing. It is to be the one organisation where anyone in the world can come and find oneness in Christ. This is who we are meant to be. In this freedom, they say, he says, stand firm then. Remain. Don't go back to this law-guided, flesh-driven life, but live in the Spirit so that you can more fully fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. So verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. He he unpacks that later in Romans as well. What he's basically saying is, if you want to put on the law, you're going to strive and strive and strive and only realize how far you actually are from God. It, It is an impossible work. What you need to do is get rid of all of that and fully submerge your life into Christ and the leading of the Spirit. Because if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay, so what is then the works of the flesh? Well, he says they're obvious. They're obvious. They're so clear, in fact, for the sake of brevity and getting through four minutes now. We won't go through them. But needless to say, they are not about forming community. Go and read them later. Every one of them is this way of selfish living for self. It's this this idea that I want, I want, I need, I need. And what it is doing is it's fractioning. It's not working. And those that continue, keep going, consistently live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, this is not a statement of how one gets to heaven. This is about you are not a part of God's kingdom work. 
My daughters play netball. It's awesome. My daughter, Aubrey. And they're all bunched together and they're running around and running around. And then they, they swap sides like every quarter, which must be confusing. Is it confusing, Aubrey? I get confused. But some of your friends get confused because they end up going the wrong way. They're shooting for the other team. So what he's saying is, hey, guys, if you want to keep living like that, that's fine. Just don't call yourselves the kingdom of workers because you look nothing like the kingdom. You're not inheriting what God is meant to be doing within the world today. Okay? But, praise God for the big but here. If we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. We're not going to be following this striving and inevitably returning to this flesh-driven life. We will produce, rather, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, quick thought on fruit. Did you ever think about fruit? Good. We sometimes think of fruit as something that is automatic. How do I get this happening? Just spend more time in the Spirit. Okay. That's part of it. But, but I, I've got a few fruit trees that we have at this place we're renting. And I've realized they're good at producing fruit if I do a lot of hard work to help them. There is a lot of watering, fertilizing, pruning, spraying, getting pests. I mean, raising sheep. I'm pointing to someone who raises sheep, not just randomly saying raising sheep. People think, wow, it's amazing. These little babies are just born. Yeah, and they're there in the middle of the night making it happen, helping these. Fruit takes work. It's a different type of work, though. It's a relenting and letting go work. It's a choosing to follow the way of the Spirit rather than choosing to follow the way of the flesh. And as you are at work with the Spirit, you will find that the fruit singular, meaning all the characteristics of the Spirit, are going to be cultivated in you. It is faith working through love. They are virtues that are being outworked in a community. A life in the Spirit means we walk with the gardener, seeding, watering, pruning, and repeat, until, until, until Christ is fully formed, not just in me, not just in you, in us. It's this wonderful communal work, love, most perfectly expressed through self-sacrifice, joy, a settled state of being or contentment for what we have in God, peace that brings calm to communal disorder and enables unity, patience, the same patience God affords us in our inability to live perfectly for him, we need to offer others. There's my time that's out. Kindness, considering the goodness God pours out on our lives. Repaying unkindness with kindness, finding ways to benefit others. Goodness, 
our willingness to be generous to each other, encouraging each other into good works, faithfulness, our faithful devotion to God and to one another, gentleness, humbly considering others above ourselves, and finally self-control, so that though we are free, we practice restraint, so that we're not mastered by anything that particularly pulls us apart. So how? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we must follow the Spirit. So first and foremost, we are crucified, meaning we are baptized. We are putting to death the old way, the selfish way. We no longer live to please the self, to promote self. We have crucified this thing. And it is a completed reality that was done in Jesus Christ. It is only because of Jesus and because we have believed and surrendered our lives in him, we ourselves are free. It is complete, yet it is still at work. Since we live by the Spirit, if we are saying, yep, we're Spirit people, let us also be in step or walk with the Holy Spirit. It's a reality then we must appropriate. Martin Luther said, the Christian life is a daily baptism. It's again coming to the Spirit, saying, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Help me to look like yours. This is our purpose, church, to come together as one through our oneness with Him. And by the Spirit, we are to grow to be more like Him. And as we grow to be more like Him, we become the outworkers of His redemption, reaching others with the sacrificial love He has given to us. We are not here to do a lot of things. We are here to become something. We are to become a community that are connected to one another in Christ, grow to be more like Him so that we can reach others with His love. So that's what we're going to do right now. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.